<clears throat> well, good morning, Seven Mile Road. Um, just before we dig into the scriptures today, I, I want to just pause and pray together. There's this awareness currently that just a couple of weeks ago, we as a community were talking about Ahmad Arbery and his family that was grieving his loss and calling us as a people to lament and to pray. And here we are a couple of weeks later with our country on fire with division and heartache and brokenness and a longing for justice in the wake of the death of George Floyd. And so I just want us to pause and own how, how ugly it is that with such regularity, this is something that we need to discuss. I want us to feel the weight of that, to break under the brokenness of sin in our world together. It's also worth noting that George was a Houston guy from the from Third Ward, um, connected with David Hill, our strategic partner. David actually coached his brother and knows the Floyd family, that we are feeling the weight of a loss that is national and as, as a, um, a symbol of something that's systemic and deep in our culture and our history as a nation. But it also strikes close to home with one of our partners whom we love so dearly, whom we helped fund the building of their facility in December of this last year, and we want to continue to stand with them. And so I just invite you to continue to pray, but to not just stop at prayer, to consider who are your black friends and neighbors, people that you know that you can reach out to, that you can grieve with, that you can ask questions of. I've been on Zoom phone calls, Zoom calls and phone calls this last week again with brothers from around the city learning and lamenting and praying. And I want us to be a people that don't turn a blind eye in moments of injustice, but a people that lean in and are a part of the solution in whatever ways are entrusted to us as a people. And so, brothers and sisters, will you join me as I pray? And as we prepare to receive God's word together. Father, you are just. It is part of your very character. It is the way your glory is displayed in the world that you uphold perfect justice. And sin breaks justice. It introduces injustice into systems and into individual hearts. And God, we are a people that are awash in injustice. Our national history is replete with it, and we taste it again this week. And uh, as we remember George Floyd, as we lift up the Floyd family, we're begging God that you would give us hearts that look like yours, that feel the weight of brokenness and injustice, that long for something better, and that lean in to be a part of healing, to be the body of Christ that represents a better and more beautiful vision a kingdom with a king on the throne that is marked by justice and unity. God, we want to be those sorts of people, and so I pray that you would teach us. Teach us to lament, to break, to pray, and to really, truly love our brothers and our sisters and our friends across this country and in our city that are, that are laboring under the weight of brokenness and injustice. Um, God, teach us to be your people. We pray rich blessings. Uh, on the Floyd family and on our nation and that you would be healing the deep wounds that sin has introduced. Even now, God, would you prepare our hearts as we direct our attention to the scriptures. Holy Spirit, come and meet with us. Continue to shape us to look more and more like what you've called us to be and particularly this morning as it relates to warmth in our home and the way that we relate to our parents. We bless you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, This morning, we continue 
in a series called Warmth in the Home, looking especially at what does it mean to be a son or a daughter? And specifically, I'm going to talk a little bit to the kids in the room. We trust that you're with us, kids, and I'm glad that, parents, you've welcomed your kids into worship in your living rooms all across the city. And a portion of this will be to you, our kids that are with us. But the bulk of what we're talking about is what does it mean to be a son or a daughter as an adult? How do we do that well? How do we relate to the scriptures as it relates to being children, as it relates to being sons and daughters for a lifetime? And this is not easy because we all deal with different realities that are complex and that run through years of family history. There's past hurts. There's ways that we've been sinned against by our parents in the past or that we've sinned against them. Many of us, as we're carving out a life for ourselves, those between the ages of 18 and 50, you've got family and life and you're starting to to carve things out that there may be this reality that now there's a distance physically with family. There's busyness. There's miscommunication that bubbles up that all of a sudden can, can make it hard to understand how are we to honor our parents for a lifetime? What does it look like? It reminds me of the, the film Big Daddy. Maybe you've seen Big Daddy. There's this moment where he's sitting in Central Park, Adam Sandler, sitting in Central Park, and he's talking about how relationships with dads is hard. And there's a guy walking by that's wearing all black. He looks very sullen and frustrated, and Adam Sandler tries to start conversation with him, and the guy goes, who cares? He's just angry and dismissive. And, and Sandler's character in this moment says something that's both humorous yet also strikes a deep chord. He says... You're not mad at me, you're mad at your dad. And, and the guy starts to cry and he goes, it's true, I hate my dad. And it's meant to be humorous. But the struggle is, it, it's not just humorous because it strikes a deep chord. There are so many of us that are lacking warmth in our homes currently because of sustained bitterness, brokenness, and sin as it relates to our relationship with our own parents. And so we realize that so many people are carrying around wounds and division as it relates to their relationship with their parents. And and the invitation today is to direct our attention to the text. We're going to look at the New Testament, two brief passages in the New Testament that share one word in common that is going to drive us all the way back into the Old Testament to consider what does it mean to honor our parents and to take what was one of the Ten Commandments and then have it applied to us in the New Testament as, re- as it relates to what Jesus has done in our lives and as it, as it relates to how we continue to honor our parents, not just as children, but as adults. And as we do that, this is what we will learn together. We will learn that right worship, right worship of God will lead us to value our parents until the very end to actively value and cherish and uphold our parents until the end. If we are rightly worshiping God, we will value our parents until the end. So brothers and sisters, with that being said, I want us to to direct our attention to the text, Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 3. If you have a Bible, please grab it. We'll also have the verses for you on the screen. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Permit me to remind you what the prophet Isaiah says about the scriptures. It says that the grass withers and the flowers fade the word of God will stand forever. We as a people this morning would be wise to submit to the authority of the text, to invite it to speak to us and to transform us. We would be wise to pay attention this morning. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 1. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. 
honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Here near the conclusion of the book of Ephesians, Paul is working through the implications of the gospel in our life as it relates to all of our relationships. And in these three short verses, he's talking about as we become a kingdom people living under the authority of Jesus, this is what it should look like to engage with our parents. And I just I want to make a few observations on this text and one other. The first observation is this. Right worship and the valuing of our parents are deeply linked. They actually share the same root system. If you dig way down under the surface, what you will find is that your right worship of God relating to your creator and maker is deeply related. It's of the same root system of the way that you value and cherish your parents. You see, this is an exposition of the Ten Commandments. That's what's quoted in verse 2. It's the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. And what we know is that this this fifth commandment that Paul is quoting and applying to the lives of his people is the first commandment that's not vertical. The first four commandments are all about how we're relating to God, that he's the only God that we're worshiping. We don't have any other gods before us, and we cherish his name, and we, we honor his Sabbath, that we are rightly relating to God in all of these ways. And as a result, the primary export, the, the first relational outworking of that is that we will honor mom and dad. The word honor, this Greek word honor that's used to, to translate that Hebrew word from the Old Testament, it's related to the Hebrew term kavod, which means glory. It means value or or heaviness. The idea is that we treat our parents like they're tremendously valuable, that they've got incredible weight and value in them and the way that we relate to them. This is the application of the first four commandments as we relate to God. We begin to relate to parents in this way. I want you to imagine if this is the primary expression of proper alignment, uh, uh, if this is the primary expression that we are properly aligned with God is that we're honoring our parents in this way. I just want you to imagine for a moment that you have a friend you have a friend who's gotten very serious about fitness. They talk about how they're, they're eating clean all the time, fruits, veggies, drinking lots of water, just the lean proteins. They've got a trainer. They're working out four or five times a week, and they're always talking about it. Oh, man, I had this great workout, still a little sore, been eating clean, you know. But this person just continues to put on weight and to look more and more unhealthy. In time, you're going to start assuming there's something more going on in this picture. That you tell me you're eating really healthy and you're working out all the time. But when I'm looking at you, what I'm seeing is that you're more and more unhealthy. We would say something is not, the dots are not being connected. There's something that you're not telling me. There's something more going on behind the scenes. What the scriptures are saying is this, that if we're rightly relating to God, if we are cherishing his name and worshiping him and him only, the natural outworking is going to be that we actively value our parents. And that where that's not happening, we go, something is not connecting. The dots are not connecting. There's more to this story because this is the primary outworking of us being rightly related to and rightly worshiping God. You see, the first thing that I need us to feel together is that this text And others like it are displaying for us that our right worship of God is linked to the way that we value our parents. Now, a a second observation, and, and this is an observation for you kids in the room, that the way that we honor our parents when we're young equals obedience. 
For, the, for those 18 and under living under the roof of their parents, the way that you honor your parents is obedience. This is verse 1. Verse 1 of chapter 6 says, children, obey your parents. And that word for children doesn't just, can't, it, it doesn't apply to adult children. It's technon. It means those who live in the home. So the assumption is that as the book of Ephesians is being read to the church of, Ephes- of Ephesus, that kids are in the room. And Paul is addressing those kids. He's saying, kids, listen. God's calling you to obey your parents. Obedience here, that term is the same word that's used of a porter or a bagman. I don't know if you've had the opportunity to, to stay at a, a relatively nice hotel. I've gotten to do it a couple of times in my life where I get to stay in a, a really lovely hotel. And there's that interesting moment when you arrive and there's like a, a bagman or a porter that only exists to, to delight you. They, they say, let me carry your bags for you, Mr. Morris. Is there anything else I can do today to, to make your stay better? The, that word that's used of a porter serving those who've just arrived is the word that's being invited for, parent, for kids to step into with their parents. Kids, listen, what God is calling you to do is so relate to your parents that you say, well, yes, mom and dad, and is there anything else I could do that would, that would be a delight to you? Can I set the table? Can I be helpful? I want to do what you're asking me to do with a heart that is ready to do it. This is the application of that commandment for kids. And, and the idea is that, that parents, this must be trained into your children. This will not come naturally to your kids. You have to train them. You actually have to feel the weight that God is calling your kids to this, and they need you to teach them. And by the way, parents, the best way that you can teach your kids to do this is relating to God in this way. If your kids look at you and say, wow, mom and dad listen for the voice of God, and then they do what he asks them to do. They are people under authority. That is the best training for your kids to begin to live into this. So, We're ultimately going to be talking about how we as adults relate to our kids with the bulk of our time, the remaining of our time. But just before I move on, let me say this. Kids, if you're in the room, I want you to do something for me. I want you to get a couple of pieces of paper, get some markers, pen, pencils, and I want you to draw two pictures. The first picture, I want you to envision this week some time where your mom or your dad might ask you to do something. And I want you to draw a picture of you obeying right away. Maybe it's you helping set the table at dinner. Maybe it's you helping with a younger brother or sister. But I want you to draw a picture of it. What would it look like for you, like a a porter or a bagman, someone to run right along and go, like when you arrive at that fancy hotel, to say, hey, how can I help you? I am here to help be a delight to you. And then I want you to draw a second picture, because as I preach to your parents, I want you to envision what I'm about to preach to your parents. I want you to draw a picture of your parents when they're really old. Imagine them all. Draw them with gray hair. Maybe your dad has a, has a cane. Envision them as, as old. And then I want, to draw, I want you to draw a picture of you taking care of them when they're really old. Will you draw those two pictures for me? And if you draw them, feel free to email them to us at kids at 7 Mile Road, Houston. We'd love to see your artistic work as you apply this text, kids. And now, as they get their art supplies, mom and dad, I want to finish by talking to you. How does this text apply to us? as we relate to our parents as adults. Well, obedience is not the direct application when we're an adult. The way that we honor our parents as adults is not to obey them. It's not that we obey mom and dad right away. And in fact, if we're still trying to relate to mom and dad that way, there's something unhealthy that has happened. Because the truth is that we are to be raised by mom and dad and then sent out as adults to begin to to make a path uh, uh, of our own that we need to develop independence and to to step out from beyond mom and dad. But 
honoring our parents never ends. And to prove that, I want you to turn with me over to 1 Timothy chapter 5. This is a second text, also written by Paul, and also is going to use the same key word, honor. He's going to use the same word, which, as you will remember, is the, is the word that's linking to the, the fifth commandment from the Ten Commandments. He is applying that text in a slightly different way to adults, and I want you to hear it. 1 Timothy 5, starting in verse 3. We're going to read verses 3 and 4 and 8. Verse 3 and 4 and 8 of 1 Timothy 5. It says this. Honor widows who are truly widows. Verse 4. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. And then skipping down to verse 8. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his own household, he has denied the faith, and he is worse than an unbeliever. Do you hear it? Paul is taking the same commandment, and now he's applying it to how do we relate to our parents in the last stages of their life. And what we see is that honoring or valuing our parents is still very much in play. We are to value them, to honor them. I remember one of the very first things that I valued in life. I was a huge baseball card guy. I collected baseball cards with my brothers. We would actually, I would have friends over to the house to trade baseball cards. We talked about them all the time. And uh, when I think about how do I know that I valued baseball cards, there's, there's at least two ways to know that I really valued them. The first was that I devoted thought and time to them. My thoughts, my time was always running to them. So I bought a Beckett magazine every month. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but Beckett magazines every month would tell if, if cards were going up or down in value. So I'd, I'd get it and I'd read the whole thing and find all my cards in there. I'd think about them in advance. I'd talk about them with friends. I valued them because my thoughts and my time were running to them. Uh, when I got one that I really liked, I would buy these big screw-together cases, and they'd screw together in glass to, to take care of them. I was thinking about how to care for them. And a second reality was that I, my treasure went to them. I'd save up my allowance. I'd do little jobs and try to make money so that I could buy the cards that I really wanted. There was one at one point, the Ozzie Smith rookie card, that my heart was on and I saved money and saved money and saved money. And then I freely laid that money down because I valued baseball cards. Now, it's a silly example, but what I want us to realize is that everything in our lives that we value will reveal itself with the same test. Where do your thought, thoughts and time run to? And where do you invest your treasure? That's what you value. That's what you value. And it matures beyond baseball cards into lots of different things. But what I want us to hear is this. We're not just talking about houses and portfolios or cars or our jobs or, or our wives or our girlfriends or boyfriends. We're talking in this text about a command from God to value our parents, especially when they begin to grow older, to value them. So consider, this text actually speaks to those two categories our thought and our time and our treasure. The first, we value them by, by investing thought and time. Did you see it in this text where it says um, in verse 8, if anyone does not provide for his relatives? That phrase in Greek literally means to think in advance on someone else's behalf. That you're so considering them, you're investing time and thought in them that you're thinking about what do they need and how can I consider them? 
that we invest our thought and our time. This is a real simple thing. For, for many of you who are in your 20s or your 30s and you're just getting started, it, it starts with, would you just call your parents regularly? Would you call them? I remember when I was a freshman in college, uh, my parents didn't tell me until years later. It was just total folly on my part. They dropped me off at college. I was so excited to be independent. I barely ever called them. And they gave me the space, but I know in retrospect, as we've talked as adults, that that broke their hearts, that I was not thinking of them. I wasn't calling them. It took me years to grow in maturity to the place of realizing my parents love me and they miss me and they want to hear from me. And so making time to be disciplined, to call them and to share with them about what's going on was really critical. And not just to share about me, but to begin to actually listen and encourage and to think about them in advance, about what would be a blessing to them. Would you begin to invest time and thought into your parents? That we need to be the sort of people that are encouraging them and blessing them in this stage of life. Now, there's part of us that feels the tension of going, ah, you don't know my parents. You don't know what we've been through. And this is, this is the tension point. We all have complex histories in our families of origin. But it doesn't mean that we get, to, we get to tell God, well, I understand that it's a commandment and I understand that you value it, but you don't know my family. The scriptures are replete with broken families. God is very aware of the way that sin infests families. But his word to those under his authority is, you need to value your parents until the end. Would you invest time and thought in them? Especially when they get older, when sickness is reality. Many of you know Tim Cornelson. He's a dear friend of mine and has been for years. It has been so encouraging and convicting to watch Tim be a son to Joe and Jane, who are a part of Seven Mile Road and whom we adore, to watch him in this season as they grow older and as sickness is a reality, to watch the way that he's thinking about their doctors and interacting with their doctors. He actually has a camera in their home that has a live feed to his iPad so that at any time he knows how they're doing and if he needs to go and check on them and care for them. As I've watched him love and value his parents, I'm realizing that it means time and thought. We need to value our parents. But the second reality is that it's, it's about our treasure. And I want us to hear this loudly and clearly. This text in 1 Timothy 5 is shamelessly about money. Like, it is... He is unafraid and bold that this is about our money. Look back with me in this text. It says uh, in verse 4 um, that a widow is not really a widow if she has children or grandchildren. It says, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. That word return is a financial term. It means repayment. It's an interesting one when you read it, that you're like, oh, wow, Paul's saying we're supposed to repay our parents. And the reality is we will never be able to repay our parents. They gave us life. Many of us, it was 18 years or more that we were under their care. They were providing for all of our needs. And ultimately, Paul's not saying that we're going to be able to go parse out dollar for dollar. You invested this much, and I'm repaying every dollar. It's about the heart to say, I value you. And now here I am as an adult making my own income, and I want to tend to you. We live in an interesting time, this invitation to, to honor our parents in this way. Interestingly, Jesus applies the fifth commandment in the exact same way in Matthew 15. 
He says that if we're going to honor our parents late in life, it means that we're going to care for them financially. Jesus and Paul are reading the fifth commandment in the same way. And so the invitation is, how do we grow in generosity towards our parents? It might start in some simple ways. I remember the first time I did this, it felt odd, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, that's beautiful that I got to do that. Starting to buy my parents dinner when we're together. Not just assuming, like I have all of my life, that if we're together, you're the one that is taking care of everything. Simple, small steps that are good for our hearts to realize that this is about us beginning to cherish them. Planning events that might cost you significantly, but that will be a tremendous blessing to your parents. Um, Thinking about that ultimately what this text is talking about and others is that ultimately it may mean when the time comes inviting your parents to come live with you, to tend to them and provide for them later in life in the same way that they provided for you earlier in life. Now, this isn't going to be a one-size-fits-all. But the invitation is to so value our parents that we're thinking about every area of our lives of how do I, do I be a blessing to them and to recognize that he finishes in verse 8, and I hope you hear this, by saying, uh, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and he's worse than an unbeliever. Why would he say that? He'd say that because right worship and honoring or valuing of our parents are of the same root system. He's saying this is the primary outworking of the first four commandments. If I'm rightly relating to God, I will value my parents. I will tend to them. I will be generous towards them with my time and my thoughts and my treasure. I'm going to give freely to them because I am rightly relating to my Father in heaven. You see, the invitation is to have hearts that are rightly worshiping God and rightly valuing our parents. Two final notes for us. One is, a, is some homework. It's an invitation. And two, I hope, serves as great encouragement. One, you need to call mom and dad this week. You need to call them. And it, I, would, I would invite you to pray in advance of that call and ask, what does the content of that call need to be? It may need to be that you're apologizing. It may be that the Holy Spirit, even through this time, as we look at this text, is beginning to convict you, and you're realizing there are lots of ways that I have not honored my parents over the years. That I know that as a child living in their home, I didn't always obey like the porter going, how can I be of service to you? That I didn't respond to them that way. I made life hard on them when I lived in their home. But even more so as an adult, I haven't valued them. Would you consider the ways that you need to repent the ways that you need to confess to your parents of your repentance. But also, would you consider asking them, being bold enough to say, hey, how might I honor or value you more? When do you feel most valued? And what, would, what could I do, or if you're married, what could you and your spouse do, and your kids, if they've got grandkids, what could you do to value your parents? Ask them. They've got ideas, I promise you, if you'll be bold enough and humble enough to come with open hands and ask. Let us be the sort of men and women that so honor God that we value our parents in ways that if if a friend were to ask them, they would say, you know, strangest thing, the grace of God at work in my kids as adults leaves us feeling so valued. That's what we want our parents saying all around the country. Well, the second thing, the last thing, this is about right worship. And so I would invite you as we close to consider your older brother. Consider King Jesus and the way that he relates to his father. You see, Jesus Jesus perfectly and totally and completely 
honored and valued his father all the days of his life. We know that in John 5, it says that whatever I see the Father doing, I do. That he perfectly modeled his life after the Father. He did as he saw the Father do. We read in the text that he loved the Father and glorified the Father. And the Father loved him and delighted in him. There's this beautiful relationship between Father and Son. And Jesus, all the way to the very end, perfectly honored and valued his Father, even in the garden when obedience to his father, when valuing his father's voice was personally very painful. It cost him deeply as he agreed to go to the cross and to shed his blood to absorb the wrath of a holy and a righteous judge and God who also happened to be his father. This was a tremendously difficult moment for our older brother, but he valued his father till the end. And the text actually said in Ephesians 5, did you hear it? There was a promise attached to it. It's the, only, it's the first commandment with a promise that if you do this, things will go well for you and you will live long in the land. There's blessings attached to it. But Jesus, the one who perfectly fulfilled it, did not get blessings. He got curses. Things did not go well for him, and he did not live long in the land. His, land, his life was cut short, gruesomely and awfully. Do you see that he was the perfect covenant mediator? He stood in a relationship with God on our behalf, and he did everything that we were supposed to do. And then rather than getting the blessings that he deserved, he absorbed all of the curses that we deserve because of the ways that we have disrespected and devalued our parents. He got our curse, and we get his blessing welcomed as beloved children, given eternal life freely. Listen, brothers and sisters, because of Jesus' obedience, you have all of the blessings of the Father over your life, and you do not have to keep score anymore. You don't have to try to hold your parents to the line and try to make them pay for the ways that they've wounded you or dropped the ball or ways that you still carry bitterness and frustration. Listen, Jesus has graciously given you all of the riches of eternal welcome at home with a father who loves you. You're free. And as you rightly worship King Jesus, it begins to saturate your soul with the grace that he freely pours out on you so that you can extend it to your parents. You can rightly value them with hearts bubbling with love. Brothers and sisters, let us be people who rightly worship. And as a result, we value our parents to the very end. Let me pray for us. Oh God, would you please, in your grace, would you forgive me? Would you forgive us for all the ways that we we don't honor and value our parents, that we carry things from the past or we focus on the wrong things and it's robbing us of warmth in our home. It's robbing us of warmth as it relates to our relationships with our nuclear family, as it relates to the, the new homes that we are constructing and building, that we're dragging this around with us in ways that's robbing us of the warmth that you've intended for us. Would you forgive us and free us by the grace of Jesus? Help us to be worshipers, Worshippers whose hearts are so fully aligned with you that what flows out of us is value and honor towards those closest to us, most especially our mom and our dad. God, make it true. Would you turn the hearts of, of the fathers back to their children and turn the hearts of their children back to their moms and their dads? Help us to be a community that is built around the gospel and that honors you by, by fulfilling your commands. We love you. We bless you. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.